There was a rustling in the brush on the other side. Pierce figured the elk were to blame, and paid little attention until he heard a low cough. Stiffening, Pierce glanced up. Deep in the trees, figures moved. He counted two, possibly three Indians, and dropped flat on his stomach. Rather than lift the coffee pot and have the splash inside be heard, he let go and scooted backwards until he was well hidden. Parting thin branches, he saw five warriors strung out in single file, moving parallel to the waterway. As yet, there wasn't enough light in the forest to distinguish details, so he had no idea whether they were hostiles or not. Pierce flattered himself that he knew all there was to know about heathen redskins. In his opinion, they were all just so much worthless trash to be disposed of or avoided as the occasion demanded. He looked down his nose on the whole lot of them. Unlike many of his fellow trappers, he shunned even the friendly tribes and had never taken an Indian woman for a wife. Some trappers thought he was peculiar in that regard. They simply didn't understand that the only love in his life always had been and always would be money. The warriors continued on to the southeast. Pierce stayed where he was until they were long gone. Then he hurriedly crept to his lean-to and began gathering his belongings. Where there were five Indians, there were often twenty more and he had no inclination to stay around and risk facing a large war party. The possible's bag went over Pierce's arm and across his chest, as did his powder horn and ammo pouch. He squatted and pulled the unlit ends of burning brands from the fire, then poked the burning ends on the ground until the flames went out. Thin tendrils of smoke wafted sluggishly skyward dispersing before they rose higher than the tree under which he had wisely situated his camp. As a matter of course, Pierce always kept his bundled plues near his pack animals. He loaded them swiftly, saddled his mount, and claimed his poke. His blankets rolled up easily and were tied on behind his saddle. Ever watchful, he gathered the rest of his things, making as little noise as he could. Pierce was all set to climb on when he remembered to take his special precaution. His first winter in the high country, an old-timer who had spent more years in the mountains than most, had given him advice on how to live to the same ripe old age. At the time, Pierce had thought the suggestion ridiculous. But later, after a skirmish with the Bloods, in which his trapping partner at the time had been shot in the gut and died a horrible lingering death, Pierce had decided to heed the old man's words and do what was necessary to render himself damned near invincible, as the mountain man had put it. As yet, Pierce had not had to test his precaution, nor, if the truth be told, did he want to. He was a trapper, not a fighter a man devoted to wealth, not to warfare. He would rather avoid war parties than clash with them. And so far, he had been remarkably successful in doing just that, until today. Pierce took the lead rope to his pack animals in hand and slowly headed northward. He stayed away from open spaces and stopped frequently to listen 
troubled by the fact the birds and animals had fallen silent. From the small valley where he had camped, Pierce made his way steadily higher until he came to the crest of a ridge. From here he enjoyed a bird's-eye view of the surrounding countryside. The sun had risen, bathing the stark peaks and pine forests in brilliant sunshine. He could see black-tailed deer on a mountain slope across the way. He saw a lone bald eagle soaring on outstretched wings. And he spotted the five warriors far down the stream. Pierce relaxed a little. The Indians clearly had no notion he was anywhere in the vicinity. He decided to wait until they were out of sight, then return and retrieve his traps. The stream was about played out anyway, he reflected, so he might as well go on into the next valley and begin anew. Another valley, another fifty...